Welcome to Joiners, the podcast with Tim and Danny, where each week we explore the world of hospitality by chatting with its most colorful characters. Indeed we do. That's right, Danny. And this is, you know, the longest that Tim and I have spent apart in a long time. Oh, God. Maybe ever. Really? Although we were were both out of town in the same city. (laughs) We were and managed to not see each other. Pretty funny. Yes. In my defense, we were in L.A. for less. Yeah. Even though we were less than a mile from your parents' house. We were there for less than 24 hours. Yeah, it's not. It was no one's fault. Um, but anyway, yeah, on my flight, well, you know, we could talk about L.A., I guess. Not you know. Thanksgiving. I got one meal. I got two meals in L.A. I went to uh, Night and Market, which was outstanding. So good. Very good Thai. You're also, also a huge Thai fan. Yeah, and we did the Night and Market cookbook. Oh, yeah. Cookbook Club Such that one time. Such a great one. Very we spicy. We the larb out of there a lot very spicy the next day too i won't (laughs) go into detail uh and then we also we stayed at the beverly laurel motor hotel which is a very cool yeah it's a great location spot with a good diner called swingers and that was our breakfast and we hit the road yep and then on uh on my way back to chicago i had a very interesting airplane situation occur tell me and since we've kind of gone into some airplane stuff in the past i felt like we could you know (laughs) Continue to delve. Continue into the this, Danny yeah, flight plan. Yeah, plane etiquette. Okay. Last <clears throat> time it was the reclining chair. Yeah, this is this is chock full of situations. So okay, we had. So okay, so the four of us, so my wife and I and our two kids, uh, we had four seats that were not together. Three of them were together, mm-hmm. and one was separated. Because of you were, let me guess, you were flying in a seven thirty seven. No idea what the plane. Well, it was like was. three and three. Yeah, it's three and three, three exactly. And three. Yeah, and yeah. So, so the first thing that needed to happen was we had to see if a further back aisle seat, which was Ellie, could be moved to the aisle seat that was touching the other three seats. Does this make sense? So that we'd all be in the same row. Sure. So there's, so we walk on, there's, there's an older woman that's sitting in the seat that Ellie in theory would need to be sitting in real quick before we go, before we go down the road. Yeah. You're, it's good to have the family together. Right. In my mind, I'm like, okay, three and one, one parent is with the kids. One parent is by themselves. Is it that you wouldn't want to do that to one parent to be in charge of both kids for a whole flight? No, Yeah. I think it's just in an ideal situation, you'd all be together. Yeah. But to your point, it's not a huge deal. One parent. Yeah. Just sits. Cause Shannon, like there's a period where Shannon would not like Shannon likes to sit together. I'm ambivalent. It doesn't really matter to me. I'm similar. Um, Shannon is also very opinionated about where we are in the plane. I have no, Oh yeah. So that's another care either. Yeah. So check this out the day before to rewind a little bit. We are telling my cousins about the situation and we're like, yeah, we've got, Three seats, you know, we've got like a window, a middle, and an aisle, and then we've got an aisle like seven rows behind, deeper mm-hmm. back into the plane. And my cousins were like, Oh, I would never switch with you. I would never take a seat seven rows back. And I'm like, What? It's the same seat. It's an aisle on 18 or an aisle on row 25. Like, what's the difference? And right. they're like, I would absolutely never switch. And they were mm, so opinionated I would about switch. that. I would switch, but if it's like if it's if I'm with Shannon, I would be like, yeah, that's fine. But Shannon would be like, no, I want to sit together. But there's also a situation yeah. where Shannon would never sit in the middle seat, and I'm like, all right, so if we have to sit together, oh, and then you I have won't yeah, sit sucks. in a middle yeah, seat. That's not cool. Then no, that's bull. 
Yeah, that, then that means separate. that means like by default, I'm <laughs> yeah, always are, in a middle yeah, seat. That's not cool. Either. Get out of here. Yeah, that's that's insane. Um, so anywho, there's an older woman in you know row 18 in the aisle seat that we're looking to get for Ellie or myself, depending on whatever. Um, yeah. And she's like, "Nope, won't move." And I'm like, "What? Well, give me verbatim. What did you? Yeah, say? Yeah. So she's like, "You know what?" I'm already going to be rushing when we land in Chicago. So I valid. don't want to be valid. valid right. Valid. But so I don't want to be further back when we, when we touch wheels down at, at O'Hare and in my head, I'm like, dude, there's 10 plus rows of coach in front of you. You didn't ask to sit any closer. Any of those people would have switched with you so that you could have been closer. If you're truly worried about making your next flight, when you land, why wouldn't you put any effort into trying to get a little bit further up on the plane? Mm-hmm. So that okay. was a little strange, not a big deal. Then I, you know, I become the parent that's, you know, going to sit solo, which no issues there. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I have an aisle seat as we've already established. And there's a dude in the aisle seat and he's like, he kind of has like a, an Eastern European accent okay, of some sort. I don't want to try to pin it down. And he's like basically trying to get me to sit in his middle seat on a full sold out flight so he can have the aisle. He's, he's got the middle seat, but he's taken my aisle seat. He's already sitting and he's already sitting in the assigned himself your seat. Yeah. And I said, and he's trying to explain that the reason he needs the aisle seat is because he frequently goes, gets up to go to the bathroom. And he was implying that there was like a medical reason. But this guy is like mid 30s. Who I don't want to speculate on what possible medical condition he could have. It could be a he number could, of things. Yeah, it could be a number of things. Sure. We fly, right? I take the middle seat. Oh, you took the middle seat. Yeah. If, okay. I mean, he, I'm like, you know how I am. Like, if he yeah, genuinely have. has a, he makes it seem like he genuinely needs to sit in an aisle because he goes to the bathroom a bunch. I'm, relatively easy I'm like whatever it's yeah. fine i sit in the middle seat kind of begrudgingly i'm texting with ellie about the whole situation it's wild then we proceed to fly to chicago from la and this guy never gets up never once never once but he could if he had to that's the important thing <laughs> yeah, i mean but he made it seem like he'd be going to the bathroom like a thousand times in the course of this flight and that's why i gave up my yeah. aisle seat to him and then i just feel like ultimately when we land i'm like did i just get taken advantage of that's literally Did a he plot line me? from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, really? Yeah. Larry gives up the seat and he sits in the middle. It's the actress, the blonde actress from uh, Gracie and Frank, Frankie and Grace, whatever the, okay, yeah. you know, uh, like the, one of the daughters. And she's like, yeah, I have a thing. I need to be in the aisle. And then she doesn't get up and she sleeps on him. Oh, so did yeah. the guy sleep on you? No, he did not. But he was just, yeah. All right. A couple things. So... Good for you for for asking someone to move. And even though they didn't, you were willing to move for someone else. That's a nice character thing for you. Well, for 100%. You. It's also, insane to... Yeah. If I'm the wo- old woman who is seated next to two young children, I'm definitely getting the hell out of that Of seat. course. I don't want to sit next and to And I think I said something snarky or like, okay, well, you're going to be next to like... <laughs> Good luck. Whole Let me introduce kids. you to Arthur. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, Arthur, this woman said she'd love to talk to you throughout the flight. Make sure to keep interrupting her as soon as she gets into her show that she's watching. (laughs) Oh, man. But you made it home. Yeah, we made it home. I just, you know, I just think etiquette in general is so, it's very interesting, but it's also very frustrating how people are so, like, inflexible 
in these situations where yes. there's really not much at stake. Un- not understanding yeah. of other people. Like needs, we yeah. obviously have a hospitality podcast and it's yeah. just such a strange kind of, you know, strange yeah. world out there. <sighs> Anywho, this week's guest is the antithesis of the people I encountered on the flight. Um, and <laughs> the exact opposite <laughs> yeah. of the old woman and the man <laughs> yeah, with the special needs. Um, yeah, we've got Christine Sikowski, um, the, you know, founder, co-founder of Honey Butter Fried Chicken with Josh Culp. And she told us about kind of how she fell into culinary a little bit later in life. She always had like yeah. a talent for it. What did she call it? Like a... Uh, job change or yeah i don't know th- i thought there's like a term that i'm like oh that might be like a thing <laughs> yeah. Where like you, yeah you were you know you, you make a u-turn on your career yeah but yeah they went to uh kendall college together and then started this supper club while she was working at blackbird and well i don't know why i feel like i need to give a recap but the thing that's interesting is that honey butter fried chicken as we know it was an accident much yeah. like uh how they try to make uh Reese's peanut butter cup scene <laughs> where like the trucks <laughs> yeah, collide. Just... <laughs> um, and you know, 10 years later, they're still going strong and opening new places. So yeah, they do a great job. Yeah. It was both really nice fans. to talk to Christine. Yep. So without further ado, please enjoy our conversation with Christine Sikowski. This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Host Ready to Drink Premium Bottled Cocktails. Choose from Old Fashioned, Martini, and coming soon, a Manhattan. For more information, go to Host, that's H-O-S-T-E, cocktails.com, connect with quality. First of all, I want to say that uh, you turned me on to Black Wing Pencils. Yes, I did. We had a pencil relationship. Yeah. It's well known. Danny probably knows this about me, but I prefer the Dixon Ticonderoga 1388 2HB soft pencil. That's my favorite writing pencil. I've also been known to draw with it. It's a great pencil. It's a great pencil. And you turned me on to that pencil, and I also have some of those. Yeah. I'm a pencil nerd. Yeah. I love and those pencils. Y- you turned me on to Blackwing, which is a, it's a, also a good pencil. It's a good eraser. It's a narrow eraser. Yes. Which is good for it, fine detail, but it's not. Uh, and it, the eraser I find on those pencils wears down really like i does. had to buy a racer like mm-hmm. attachments a supplemental because i won't throw out a pencil <laughs> until it's like a little yeah. baby stuff like i will wow. use that thing so, down to the core so i just bought new drawing pencils and uh they it came with a pencil extender yes i just read about this one of That's my favorite thing. um writers artists um austin cleon you guys know he did like steal like an artist like books um mm-hmm. Show your work. Um, please read them. They are amazing. Not just for artists, for people in life. Um, but he puts out like a gift guide every year. And I like, he, he is the one who told me about pencil extenders, the, the black wing pencils. Oh, and okay. he's like, I just found these pencil extenders. And I was like, order. <laughs> I should have sent it to you, my pencil friend. Now, yeah. what are you, so, Tim, you're drawing with them. And Christine, you're taking notes of them, drawing with them. So I don't draw. I am not artistically. Um, well, you're uh, musically inclined. Music's an art. I am yeah. musically inclined, but like vocally. But I here's why I like pencils because I think, don't psychoanalyze me, but I like that I can erase, yeah, things. And I I do a lot of my part of my job for my restaurant is like getting our spaces, either open or organized or like rearranged. And so like I have like graph paper and I'm like constantly sketching out like 
a new way to organize the line or a new way to do our storage. And so like I do a lot of it in pencil Mm -hmm. and then I erase a lot of it. But also like when I plan out my day every day, like things get changed around so much that I just pencil is like an effective tool for me. But I also like the like tactile nature of like writing with the pencil. It yes. just feels like I'm holding a little mini tree. And it's a gradient, you know, <laughs> like a pen. You can't yeah. shade with a pen. Can't shade with a pen. I definitely shade out blocks of time. And Now, are you so. also fond of the whiteboard, which is known as the pencil of surfaces? I'm, I, oh my God, you're blowing my mind. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> no, just like a, a whiteboard. whiteboard. Yeah. Oh, like a, like yeah. a dry, dry erase. erase. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't do a, Maybe it's because it's like too sharpie, like marker yeah. oriented. You can't shade with a dry erase marker. Can't either. shade you it. Really can't. can't shade. Yeah, um, tried. So Tim, are you using it to sketch out ideas for work, or you're drawing like the whiteboard? Fun? No, your pencil. Your oh, pencils. pencils. No, I've uh, or just caricatures of your I'm co-hosts. An, I like to draw, I'm, and um, <laughs> I'm out of practice drawing. Yeah. And like early on in the pandemic, I'm like, I got time to draw again, and I did, and I enjoyed it. And then I've missed that creative outlet, and so I bought like a learn to draw in 30 days oh my god book. and like i know how to draw but i'm like this will force me to draw every yeah. day it's a small it's like a half hour exercise if that do and you do it yeah well i just got back from a trip so i stopped okay. during my trip but i'll pick it up again this weekend you know what's interesting uh, the during the pandemic i think obviously it changed everything for everybody but one thing that sort of came out of it that i've been addressing recently is something similar was like i need an outlet a creative outlet that's not anything related to food and so like talking about where my roots in in music is like I used to be a singer and um, in high school and in college for a little bit and I I had dreams of being in a band someday and like that never ended up panning out but I think at this point I'll come full circle it's like now I need to find space in my life for something that's creative and so Mm -hmm. like I bought a digital piano Oh, like nice. a couple months ago and I signed up for like like I used to take piano lessons I'm never very good at it like I'm starting from scratch and I just bought this like learn how to play piano in like not a month but it was like learn how to play it on your own just for fun is it a book it's like uh it's like a there's like YouTube videos and then there's like accompanying accompanying yeah did I say that word right yeah. um materials with like the guy teaches you how to play um, not by so one thing that I like failed at being a music major is that I was never good at reading music. Like that's why I like kind mm. of flunked out <laughs> Just sight music reading, school. Like, sit down and I can't play. do yeah. sight reading, and I have a really hard time reading sheet music. And like to be a music major, you have to do yeah, that be stuff. Be quite I, good at that. I was never good at it, and I didn't enjoy it. It was like almost like I'm looking at a foreign language, and I could never get it to compute. But this guy teaches like chord based. Mm, and like nice, memorization yeah. basically like are you training to be a concert pianist and i'm like no i just want to play the piano and like i have no ambitions to be like a professional yeah. musician but it's coming back i'm you doing should check it now. out there's an app i got um i got a digital oh, piano called? last year it's called simply piano and it's that like it's awesome. really good it's uh you can choose like that chord approach you're talking yeah. about you can also choose like melodies and like yeah more I, uh, intricate stuff if i learn how to play it like i'll I'll just like practice. Like that's how I learned how to play piano when I was in college. It was like not because I was reading the music. Like I would just memorize it. I would yeah, just play right, it same. over and over again until I memorized yeah. it so I didn't have to like read you it. You and I are the same. Yeah, we are. We are twins. And uh, <laughs> we were having a quick, uh, you know, we were talking before before you got here and we were wondering, is it super 
is someone who has a musical background who's a singer and someone was like hey could you sing something oh is that God. like just an insane <laughs> you're gonna ask me to sing on the no, podcast no you don't have to do anything I... but we're saying like if someone came up to you and was like hey can you sing something would you be like absolutely not typically i would say i probably would be like absolutely not because i'm like I'm shy, I think, when yeah. it comes to, like, I think one of the other reasons why I never did it professionally is, like, I had some stage stage fright with singing. I was more like a blender. Like, I liked being in the choir. Yeah. And I realize now, like, if I were ever to do it professionally, I would have had to be, like, a background singer or something. Because I don't think I have the the desire to be like you need a special amount of uh, narcissism person. to yeah i, I want to do it I think, like the you, fantasy I think Tim and i obviously would be like absolutely not but we are not talented yeah no i i won't do it danny danny was like he's <laughs> like he's like it. yeah he's like i'll throw christina bone and let her sing on the pod <laughs> yeah that, i'm like that is no that is not, I, that is I don't think throw her a bone and let her <laughs> it's too much pressure now i'm sweating no danny obviously not framing it but i was like danny was like do you think she would sing and i'm like i'm like i would we could never put someone on the spot. Nobody wants like that. You, would you go to like your know. funny friend and be like, "All right, we're recording. Go ahead and tell us a joke." Like, <laughs> if no someone way. was like a stand-up comedian, they'd have like a bit, probably. Yeah, I think maybe if I was <laughs> yeah, born, I, I was like, "What? <laughs> yeah, you what should five? I sing? You want a tight five or what?" That was I've my only thing. It's like, what do you sing? I, I, you know, so like, I only sing now. Like, honestly, I only sing by myself in like my car and in my shower um, <laughs> yeah. for my dog. My dog is my uh, solo audience. Um, yeah. But I did sing in public one time in the last 10 years. And it was because, um, do you guys know, um, she used to work for the Metro. I think her, I don't, God, I can't remember her name. I think it's Shannon. She had a, like a podcast or a show called Liner Notes mm-hmm. where she would, um, I don't think she does it anymore. I've lost touch with her, but she. Um, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp. There she is. Um, she asked me to come on. Like the, they do these things. It was at the Gingerman Gingerman Tavern, Gingerman, yeah, where Metro. you would go up and talk about um, a song that like meant a lot to you mm, and why. Cool. And so I picked uh, a Boney Bear song um, uh, because I have a tattoo of a Boney Bear song, and I actually sang uh, like two lines of one of his songs like as part of my presentation. And how did it go? I, I, there's not a recording of it, thank God. I have, I don't know, but I was terrified to do it. And I was like, you're going to do it because it makes sense with, like, in the scope of what I was talking about. And I, like, sang along with the music. I think that's, like, where I'm coming full circle is, like, if you played a song right now, I would, like, sing along with it. But for me to, like, do an acapella, like, audition, <laughs> I think I would just <laughs> crash and burn. Yeah, we will not subject anyone to that. <laughs> I went to a thing a couple weeks ago at um, – like this church in Lakeview and it was uh Jeff Tweedy was doing like a solo thing he just put out a new book and um it's like what songs specific songs mean to him and he writes like a little essay about each of them and then they had like the audience write in song like Jeff Tweedy or Wilco songs that mean something to them and then they had people like stand up and tell the story and then Jeff played that song oh my god it's really cool it's very like cheerful thing but like when I walked in we Shannon and I sat on the balcony and I walked in and I was like coming down the stairs and it's pretty steep. Yeah. And I like tripped and almost ate shit falling down the <laughs> oh, stairs. No. And I like gathered myself like, oh my God, that was so close. I could have ca- like fallen over the balcony. Yeah. And I look and uh, and Cody Hudson was sitting right in front of me and he turned around. <laughs> hey, and I'm man. like, uh, you are you okay? That. <laughs> <laughs> Just you and Cody had that moment yeah. together. Uh, Amazing. Anyway. All right. Let's get, let's get, let's get on. Do you want to talk here. more? Talk more. Let's no, do it. Let's talk. Uh, <clears> all right. 
So you're a culinarian. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Am I? Aside from a I singer, in your spare time, you like to make food. I do like to make food. When did that begin and in what capacity? Um, Were you a, a cook kid? Yeah, I was a cook kid. I think, yeah, I mean, that's pretty classic tale, right? Like I, I was cooking at a very young age. I think my... Um, my mom and my dad, although um, they divorced when I was very young, both were very into baking specifically. And so I think, um, and my mom was really into watching like the classic like PBS cooking shows. So like Frugal we didn't have Frugal Gourmet, Yan Can Cook, Julia Child was like yeah. number one in our house. And so like we didn't have cable and like that's all I watched as a that's child. Cool. I was just like, it, just like that was my education. Um, and my mom loved to bake. And so like I just ended up baking. Although I was telling some, I was telling someone this story the other day. They're like, "What was the first thing that you ever made? Like, what was the earliest thing you made?" And I know it was baking chocolate chip cookies from the Betty Crocker cookbook. Which, by the way, that recipe is still solid in my repertoire. But like, I think my first batch of chocolate chip cookies was probably when I was like five or six. Wow, that's pretty good. Are you yeah. going solo at five or six? I, I probably light supervision. Light, very probably very. I mean, I'm Gen X. Help I'm with like the straight oven. up Gen X, like latchkey kid. Like my parents worked, and they they had to. Um, so I spent a lot of time by myself. I'm sure that like I was lightly supervised by like a babysitter <laughs> or a grandparent. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. I grew up in Villa Park. Villa Park. That's not, what is that, half hour? Uh, I don't, it's been so long since I've been there. Probably like, nobody, I, my family doesn't live there anymore, so probably like half hour, 45 minutes. And what did mom and dad do? Were they anything They're working class. No, like, um, I think they both worked for the United States Postal Service for like 40, 50 years each. Like they went out of high school. Like they're not. Interesting. Yeah. As mailed carriers? No, no, like they never did that. Or, they just, my mom, I think, did, that yeah, was more, my dad did like super, my dad was a manager. He did supervision. And I know he ended his um, very long career at the O'Hare Center hmm. doing like security for like international mail. I mean, mom, I think, just flitted around. I think she did bulk mail too. Um, they didn't really talk about it other than like it was just, I know it was a very stressful job. I just finished that uh, Bukowski book. Is it called Post Office? Yeah, Post Office. And I'm like, Man. should I read it or is it going to be PTSD? If you want to read about a delinquent alcoholic who works in no, the Postal I'm Service. No, I'm good. It's actually, it's fun. I'm, I'm not like Bukowski. I'm not like enough delinquent alcoholics in my life <laughs> in the past. I don't, I'm good. It does sound like it's a probably, probably pretty good read though. But yeah, um, they had like Postal Service careers. Um, That's interesting. They're working class. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was the, I think the first of um, all of my, like, my cousins and me to, like, go to college. And, like, probably out of, I think maybe all of my parents' siblings, like, maybe there's, like, two, two Same. of them. Yeah. But, yeah. My, yeah. neither of my parents went to get, they, mm-hmm. my mom later did, but my dad didn't. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, my aunts and uncles, like, if they did go to college, they didn't finish. So yeah. it's like a. I don't think, I think they just didn't have, they just, they, they had like gotten married and, you know, obviously divorced and then like just had to have jobs and they had kids and like, that's and just what you did. different generation. Yeah, exactly. Totally different generation. Yeah. Right. Now it's like, ex- I think it, we might even be getting away from that. Like you're, it was just like expected. You finish high a, school, you go to college. Absolutely. And now I think it's like, I don't know. I think some kids are starting careers. Yeah. I think that like a lot of, yeah, you don't, it's not necessarily like you have to go, mm-hmm. you know? I think I think that if you know if I were to ask them like if they could have done anything I think my mom would have been an artist she's really talented uh, painter and drawer and 
Um, my dad probably, I asked him one time, like, what was your favorite job he ever had when he was 16? He was, a uh, he worked in a bakery like overnight. Oh, cool. And mm. so I'm She's sure that, yeah, like it's, it's kind of ironic that I've ended up like as a creative, um, chef, yeah. <laughs> a creative person and a chef. Like, I guess I got to do the things that they didn't, which is, you know, I yeah. think what every parent hopes for, for their kid. True. Yeah. That I got better opportunities. Mm-hmm. So. so what was your first opportunity to work in the industry? Like you were comfortable in a kitchen, <laughs> comfortable baking. Yeah. So my motivation for cooking when I was younger was like, cause I like to eat. Mm-hmm. It was less about the, um, me coming to be a chef was like a really long time coming. Um, it took me a really long time to get there and realize it was like I actually really liked cooking. Like for for so long, it was more I was motivated to cook because I wanted to eat. I think it's about most yeah, it's, people. It's very motivated. <laughs> but I was like, I want to eat delicious things. Um, and so, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. What did you ask me? No, just like when did you get? Yeah, your what was your first job? Oh, so like I have always worked in the restaurant business. Although my first job was like I was front of house for like ten years. I yeah. did. Um, I never thought that cooking in a kitchen would be something that I would do. That's just, interesting. So we were just never, talking about this. Like, never. It's a very rare to go front of house to back of house. Yeah. I think maybe now, because food is such like a mainstream thing that you, you could do it. Mm-hmm. But like back then, like this was my first job, like probably like 1994. I worked in a cafe. I like made coffee and like little sandwiches and stuff like that. And then I continued that as I went to college. And then I got jobs in bars. I was a bartender. I was a server. I was a hostess. Um, and I, I just did it for money. Honestly, yeah. like I did it because it was like it worked with my. I was in school during the day and like I had other jobs and like it just sort of worked with my schedule. But I like never wanted to stay in it. I was like, the joke yeah. is like, I just kept trying to get out and I've never been <laughs> able to get out. You're stuck. I'm stuck. So I was like, I remember I'd been bartending for for a few years and like had finished college. And I was like, I need to do something with this. By the way, I have a music business management degree <laughs> that I did nothing with. I was like, I got to get a job. Like, I can't just be a bartender. I can't, yeah. I, I, you know. And there were like no mixologists. There were no, there's no beautiful scoff law yeah. at that time. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I worked in an Irish pub, you know? And I, I, you know, I just was like, I have to, I have to get out of this. I don't want to do this anymore. So real I took- Real quick, uh, real quick, before you get out of the pub. Yeah. Any fun stories from the pub? I mean, oh God. I'm Irish, don't worry. Just delinquent, my delinquent alcohol. I would tell you that I thought, I started off as a server and I think I, I've learned this lesson so many times in my life in different forms. Like I was like, I want to be a bartender. I don't want to be a server. I want to be a bartender because mm-hmm. bartender, like it's just cooler. And like I worked my way up the server chain and I had like all the best shifts and I was doing great. And then they were like, finally let me be a bartender. But then I went right down to the bottom and got like the worst shifts. Yeah. And I realized like, I actually hate this because you're stuck behind the bar mm-hmm. and like you're subjected to anybody that sits there. And sometimes the person that sits there is amazing. And sometimes the person that sits there <laughs> yeah. is less amazing. Yeah. And um, I realized like very quickly, I the thing you I thought I wanted to do is like just because it was it looked cool ended up not being something that was good for me. If you're at the bar <laughs> and you've got somebody sat in front of you and yeah. they're maybe if if you if you have to cut somebody off or ask them to leave, yeah, but it's you tough. can't make it 
do you go to the bouncer and you say that guy or I, that girl I, needs to go? I'm what's the, yes. What's the move I mean, like it depends on who it is. She calls nine one one. Call Good Samaritan. Yeah. It depends on who. I, I I'm really lucky that I never really had a situation that I had to deal with like that. Um, I definitely have had to cut people off, even in like even today, like not yeah, today, but like even in honey butter. For you, sir. You've had too much mac. Yeah, that's step just, away yeah. from the buffalo. I man. wish somebody yeah. would cut me. Too off. much honey butter on it's top tough. of that fried chicken piece. <laughs> we don't really encourage yeah. that sort of behavior at honey butter. We that want you to finish your right. food. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we've definitely had. To, we try to do it like with ju- judgment free. You know, it, it it rarely escalates to the point where yeah, you need to I get just somebody meant, like, involved. If it's like a safety issue for pa- other patrons. Yeah. yeah, I think. I'm sure that it happened at the Irish pub, like, and I just don't remember it or, like, it just didn't affect me. But, like, yeah, I've never had a situation up. at Honey Butter where we've really had to get, like, help getting people what out. What was I mean, the thing that happened there? Where at Honey Butter? Yeah. You know, St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> huh. And yeah. I just, wow. like, the Irish, I'm telling you. You asked me, like, stories <laughs> from when I worked at the Irish pub. Like, St. Patrick's Day was... It Let's just put it this way. I leave me. town for St. Patrick's yeah. Day. It's, it is an abysmal I holiday. think I should, too. I, I, I mean, I just avoid it now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Honey Butter, I think maybe when it first opened was probably a more popular drinking spot, although it never really was. Like, we had a bar mm-hmm. and people drank. Yeah. But mostly people came to eat and then had a drink while they were there. Right. And so, like, it was pretty minimal, like, people getting, like, out of control there but like saint patrick's day was always the day we're all we'd have to warn ourselves like we're not normally a place where people come to drink but people are going to come in and drink like we've had to comp but also your proximity to chief o'neill's yeah we get a lot of oh we get us so we get overflow and i think like the things that we've had to watch are like people bringing in liquor like mm. they'll bring in a flask and like they're standing in line of honey butter you can see them swaying and it's like we just you know, try to be like, hey, man, hey, hey, bud, like, you know, like, That's how do we get I you a glass that. of water? I mean, you they're coming to honey butter to soak it up. Yeah. Um, but oh, we yeah. definitely right. had some instances where people like somebody fell off a chair once. That was and we had it on camera because our security camera was so sad. And then, you know, we've had some 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 messy cleanups. But for the most part, we're, yeah, we're pretty, pretty tame. tame. Yeah, we're like a PG PG thirteen restaurant. <laughs> yeah, PG PG thirteen. Like that's sometimes good. people get. That, a little I think that's off, where you want to be. Yeah, PG thirteen. I prefer it now. Like, yeah, I'm like ready to go straight like G read. Like I just, <laughs> yeah. I I like G what for it's, Glencoe. G for oh nice segue. <laughs> Whoa. I yeah I mean our business has changed so much in the last ten years. Like, and you know I wouldn't say like it's good or bad. It just is. It evolves. It yeah. evolves and changes. And like, I think when we first opened, even the vibe in our restaurant, it was like 2013. It was like a different time in yeah, every capacity. For sure. Like the music that was popular at the time and like like the restaurants and the bars that were popular at the time. I think at that time, like places like Honey Butter were, I don't, don't want to say rare, but like it was kind of like breweries just started to be like cool. It was still like, it was counterculture, yeah. like not the right term, but like, like cocktail well, no, bars were starting to be like yeah, something like that people. Yeah, like Scofflaw's 10 ex- years old. Stock is 10 years old. Honey Butter Fried Chicken is yeah. 10. Yeah, yeah we just like, turned 10. Yeah, like yeah. That's, that is kind of a specific time. I mean, it's for us, especially as yeah. business owners, like that style and that culture is like still kind of fresh in my mind. It is too. I, I think it is. I think that's when it started, right? Like maybe a few years before that. 
I, mean, I could be wrong about this, so like, don't take my word for it. But like, it felt like we were part of a the start of a movement, kind of like yeah. towards this, you know, style of restaurant, bar, brewery, coffee shop that like now you can find, you know, pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and part of that evolution is like. You know, the people that came to our restaurant when we started of like are 10 years older now. And like a lot of them used to come yeah. and drink at our restaurants and then they get married and they have kids and they move yeah. to the suburbs. Yeah. And now they need a G rated. And place they need to bring a PG rated, yeah. PG rated right. fried chicken restaurant. Uh, well, let's talk Glencoe. origin of yeah. honey butter fried chicken. Origin story. Yeah. So I have to talk about Sunday Dinner Club then. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So um, I, I started Sunday Dinner Club with. Josh Culp, who's my business partner, not my husband. We're definitely <laughs> talk about that too. We didn't think that. You to guys be don't clear. think that, but so many people think that. I think yeah, that. I did think that once upon a time. It's okay sure. that it's natural. I think that people think that a, a man and a woman running a restaurant together, yeah. and co-chefing would be in a partnership. I could have like, sworn Danny not. was married to Andy and Mandy and Chris. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. A four-person marriage. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. How that's many, another podcast. How many other? Uh, uh, men and women owned run businesses are not I don't know I mean I have not found too many honestly or it's like they were in a relationship at right, one point right. and then and they, they broke up but they continue like Josh and I um, we started Sunday Dinner Club with my um, at the time I went to culinary school with my now ex-boyfriend um, and the th- he and, and Josh and I started Sunday Dinner Club mm-hmm. together right after culinary school um, where, where was school we went to Kendall College. Oh, nice. So we're we were all career changers. I I obviously the music business is not working out for me. Um, <laughs> not yet. I didn't want to work in restaurants and bars, um, and so I decided to go to culinary school. Um, uh, and so we all went. We were all career changers. So like we all went when we were like 27, 28, like late bloomers. Um, okay. And so the three of us started this underground restaurant called Sunday Dinner Club, and we ran it out of our apartments, and we only did it like once a month for fun. Um, And we did that for probably two years, literally just one Sunday a month. Did it make money or did it just cover the cost? Absolutely not. Yeah. (laughs) It never made money. In fact, I think, well, you know, maybe towards the end of Sunday Dinner Club, which we put on hiatus like two years ago, it was like breaking even. Yeah. But like in the beginning, like we didn't even care. We were just like, it was all passion. Maybe. Wow. Maybe. I have some reservations about it. Is it a COVID casualty? Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and not like so much like we couldn't have. We survived and did takeout meals for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. But Sunday Dinner Club is like, it's a community right. dining club. It's like a dinner party. You know, mm-hmm. we did it once a month when we first started. But by the time we were done, we were doing like 14 dinners a month. And we had a sous chef and full staff. And, yeah, it's a lot. Um, uh, and uh, moved it out of our apartments. And I, I think it, it just, it didn't. It didn't work because it wasn't like people supported us and bought our takeout meals. Yeah. And we were so grateful for that. We were able to keep our staff and keep our cre- like our one touchstone to creativity during this like total shit show of like three years. Yeah. Um, and so we we hung on and like barely paid. But then we just we all burnt out. I think we stopped doing it because we were like, we can't do it the way we want to do it. And we're all so tired after mm-hmm. the last couple of years. Like we just so bittersweet. It was super bittersweet, and that's what we called it a hiatus. We're like, we're not closing it. We can't we, – uh, Josh and I did not have the heart to close it Yeah. and say it's done. We're like, we're going to take a break, a long one. Um, yeah. But le- recently we've been like, should we bring it back? You know, yeah. there's a private event space above the Glencoe 
uh, in the Glencoe space that seats oh, 24 cool. people. And we're Perfect. like, it's meant to be. It really is. We'll yeah. see. It. For, the, for those of you listening, yeah. I would say maybe. Maybe, It'll come back definitely, in some way. you heard it here first. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> no, um, I think if it were to come back, it would just, I think telling the origin story is actually really important because I think when we started it, it was like pure, uncut passion that fueled that business. It was like, it wasn't even a business for us, you know? It was yeah, like, yeah, I just yeah. wanted to have people come over to my house and I, I was super, like, freshly graduated from culinary school just started working at Blackbird, like, like just totally immersed in like cooking and recipes and food and technique. And like, it was a really beautiful, like exploratory, passionate time to like do something like that. And I think when, as it went on throughout the years, you know, we started doing 10 dinners, 14 dinners a month. It just became like a business. Yeah, it was like a chore undertaking. It was a major undertaking and it just was so much work and it was so awesome. But like, I think it, the, what we kind of maybe lost sight of a little bit was like, why did we do this? Like we never wanted it to to be a business. We just want to do it for fun. So I think if we came back now, we'd be like, we're just going to do it because me and Josh want to cook food like once a month. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. So after culinary school, do you apply to Blackbird? Yeah, or what's the job search like? And or yeah. and are people keeping an eye on Kendall graduates? Are there is there like a job fair? How does that all work? I um so I graduated from culinary school um, in two thousand four, and so at that time I I'll just say for the record like I was trying to leave Chicago, like I was like I've lived here my whole life. I've wanted to move or like go live somewhere else like for my whole life, and so like I'd convinced. My boyfriend at the time, I was like, when we're done with school, we're moving. Did he go to, oh, he was in culinary school Yeah, he went to culinary school too, um, and with Josh. And this was before we started the summer club. Right after we graduated, I was like, we're moving. Like, and we actually ended up getting jobs in, um, right outside of Vail at like a hotel. And I was like, honestly, I just want to move somewhere. I don't, I want to try something different. Let's move. We're going to take our dog and we're going to move. And like, we um, got jobs. We actually put a deposit down in an apartment in like, Avon, no, Avon, Avon? Is that like a little, like a town, like Beaver Creek? Yeah. And I got um, cold feet, like a a month before we were supposed to go. I was like, just just something was telling me, like, don't do it. Yeah. And it sucked because I was like, well, that means I have to stay here. And I was like, well, if I have to stay here, there's only two restaurants I want to work at. Because I like been following the, Blackbird was like the place to go. I mean, yeah. that was like... What were the two? Blackbird and Olive Garden? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wanted to make breadsticks. Culver's. Culver's. It was yeah. I actually... I, t- I only staged at two places. I wanted to um, either work um, at Frontera mm, nice. um, and, or I wanted to work at Blackbird. And the reason was is that I was... Oh, I wanted to work at a place that um, like passionately sourced from the farmer's market. And cool. at that time, those two restaurants to me were the ones that were like leading the charge in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I staged at both places and I just ended up... I think I came in the right time, the right place, and like I ended up getting a job at Blackbird, so That's I awesome. took it. And then we stayed, and I never left. Who was in that kitchen at the time? Tara Lane was my pastry chef. Okay. Um, Dylan um, Faltinet and Jared Van Camp were the chefs, uh, the sous chefs downstairs at the time. And then obviously Paul. Yeah. What was yeah. your first position? I was a pastry assistant. Oh wow! So like I have a culinary degree, but I yeah. wanted to well round out my education, and so like I decided to go be a pastry assistant so I could is, get. Is the pastry dessert. not part of the? 
curriculum at you do it's part it of the curriculum but like you could get a baking and pastry degree mm. or you could get a culinary degree and i was like i want to do everything i have interest in everything but like yeah. so much of culinary school was like less baking and pastry focused mm-hmm. so i got a job and i was really interested in dessert like restaurant style desserts and i had read about tara um and i just was like she just sounds like a great person to work for and then i went there and i it totally changed my life that, you know, like you look back on your life and you can point to these like pivotal moments where you could have gone this way and that way. Totally. And I like, sometimes I wonder, like I'm friends with Rick now, like, um, and I wonder sometimes like, what would my life have been if I had taken that job? Yeah. But I, I went this way and like, and it, you'd be working in his backyard garden. I (laughs) think that that wouldn't be so bad. No, (laughs) his backyard garden is insane. Yeah. What made Blackbird so impactful? I think what Tara was doing with pastries at that time and, and restaurant desserts was where my head was at. And I think it's informed the, the style of cooking that I do, which is like, I don't really like sweet things. I like when you combine savory ingredients into dessert and like use unconventional things and like make it more like, like a dessert shouldn't taste like sugar. It should taste like the things that are in it. It should taste like citrus or mint or you know, sassafras or whatever it is that you're I'm using. Of the same like, mind, yeah. And I don't like sweet, but like you can make a, a dessert that has just the perfect amount of sweetness. And she um, was a, um, she had gone to art school. And so like her plating, like I had never seen plating like this is like beautiful sculpt, like it just plating art. And I just wanted to learn how to do those things and put to- desserts together that weren't just like, you know, like an afterthought. It was like yeah. just. I think Paul's commitment to the pastry program there was like, it should be just as good, if not better than everything Mm -hmm. else that we eat here because it's the last impression. It should be just as good. It shouldn't be like, oh, I had everything was great and then dessert was fine. It's like dessert needs to be spectacular. That's a good point. I've never thought of that. That is like the last thing people get. It's the last course. Well, actually, the last thing people get is the check. Yeah. (laughs) And that's why the checks there tasted so good. And you get the little miniardies. Do you you remember the edible menu at, uh, was that at Moto? Oh, yeah. I never had it. Somebody had that. I remember. I read about it for sure. I never had it. But like they, yeah, they gave out the little miniardies. We used to make the little miniardies. So even when you're paying your check, you get like a little chocolate truffle. Yeah. Uh, Sweeten that. Sweeten that check. Yeah. Yeah, Seriously. (laughs) That's right. And another win for artist turned pastry chef. That's right. just noticed the... uh, Right. The, during the Anna Posey interview. I loved her she, interview, uh, by yeah. the way. She's, she's great. She's great. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover with A lot of cross. And yeah, I mean, that's why I went and worked for her. I just feel like I didn't have that sort of education on plating and um, making desserts. And, and part of what we started Sunday Dinner Club about two months after I started at Blackbird. Um, oh, wow. And so like I was sort of like on two train tracks at the same time. So you had and lots were, of free time. I had never. How many hours were you doing at Blackbird? Um, max hours. Yeah. Um, one thing that was really great about Blackbird is we worked really long shifts, but they always, we, oh, I always had two days off. I had Sunday off cause the restaurant was closed mm-hmm. and, um, foreshadowing why we called Sunday dinner club, Sunday dinner club. Right. And then I had Thursdays off. And okay. so like, um, Thursdays were for shopping and prep. Mm-hmm. And then, um, wow. and then we did Sunday dinner clubs on Sunday. I, I mean, but I was, I was so motivated and passionate and I just didn't care. I like, I worked, I just worked so much and I just didn't care cause I was so in love with it at the time. This episode is brought to you by Scofflaw Old Tom Gin, a tasty, versatile spirit. 
Created in Chicago in 2012, the product was born out of a need for a bespoke iteration of the Old Tom style, which is the slightly sweeter predecessor to London Dry. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin carries classic notes of orange peel, juniper, and coriander while balancing on a subtle floral edge thanks to the addition of osmanthus blossoms. Its elevated proof is suitable in cocktails or unadorned. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin, complete your bar. So how does honey butter come about? Honey butter came about by accident. We call it the happy accident. Um, so we, Sunday Dinner Club's menus changed every time we did a dinner. Like it would change seasonally, it would change on, based on what cuisine we were inspired by. Like it just was constantly changing. Um, but we would kind of come back to specific menu items like once a year or so and so like we do a pizza dinner we do a burger dinner and we try doing fried chicken dinners like yeah. once a year and so we serve fried chicken dinners at sunday dinner club for many years before. and was it the same fried chicken that you do today it's a version of it yeah like the yeah. same blend of i think it took us a couple of years of just trying different styles of fried chicken at sunday dinner club and then we ended up we were very inspired by the um Bouchon um, fried chicken recipe, although mm. it's not yeah, the, the same. Keller, the Keller one. The Keller one, yeah. I'm, it's definitely different, obviously. The honey butter fried chicken's recipe is different than that, but we were inspired by it. That's the kind of thing where it started. So we were serving it in, it was 2010, I remember it, um, in my apartment. <laughs> and we served a side dish. It was like a Johnny cake, you like a corn cake, mm-hmm. um, with honey butter on it. That was the side dish to these two beautiful pieces of fried chicken that we fried in cast iron pans on my stove. (laughs) Um, And we served it to our guests. I remember being in the kitchen. I don't remember if somebody dropped a piece of fried chicken in the butter or the butter melted on the chicken on the plate. Like somehow, you know, you plate staff meal in the back and we're like eating over garbage cans. You know how shit. Slipped on a banana peel carrying the butter and it just (laughs) Just landed on like right on top of the the chicken. The universe said, this is what you're all going to do then, now. like all the light bulbs went off right there. I remember it's like almost like time can slow down in this moment because I remember we were all sitting on the back porch and we had like 10 minutes to eat. And we were, we were like eating fried chicken that had melted honey butter on it. And we we're like literally, I, I don't even want to exaggerate this, like eyes rolling back in heads being like, this is so fucking good. We have to, we have to go tell people. And so I ran out to the dining room stopped, turned music off, interrupted 24 people eating and said, stop, put the butter on the chicken. (laughs) Put the butter on the chicken. And like they did it and everybody was like, oh my God, this is insane. And then the next day we just started serving it at that dinner with honey butter on it. And we're like, you try it, it's so good. And I, Josh will joke now, he says, he says in all seriousness, like, I knew in that moment we were going to open Honey Butter Fried Chicken, a restaurant. Wow. And I was like, I did not know that at all. <laughs> in fact, it took him a long time to convince me to do it because I never wanted to, I never wanted to open a restaurant. <laughs> I really, I actually actively avoided it. Like, Josh wanted to open, like, every restaurant. Yeah. Um, and at this point, I should tell you that, like, my ex-boyfriend and I and Josh ran our business for, like, two years and then my my boyfriend and I broke up and Josh and I took over the business. And that's when we started like really working on like expanding and growing. And mm-hmm. like, that's that when the butter weight. on the bird happened. Yeah, yeah. 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 So was there anything after Blackbird between Blackbird and Honey no, Butter Chicken? No, I like, that is you my. just launched. I, we, I started Sunday Dinner Club in December of, I started Blackbird in June of 2020, 20, no, oh my God, I can't say it. 2004. Mm-hmm. Blackbird 
2004 June, and then Sunday Dinner Club started in December. I stayed at Blackbird another year and a half, and then I just went How full Sunday Dinner Club. From the aha moment of the honey butter on the fried chicken to honey butter opening the its doors. The doors, three years. And were you developing it for that three-year period of time Yeah, actively? Yeah, I know. We, we, it took us about a year after um, the butter landed on the bird yeah. <laughs> to um, decide to actually, like, maybe we should open this restaurant. Yeah, I yeah. think we had been talking about it. Um, um, it is so good for the record. I get yeah, that takeout yeah. all the time. It's a great. T- it's, it's like so good. take like, out yeah, so much. Part I've had of it at your house a lot. Yeah. actually, that's like a that's like Thanks, a thing. He, yeah. Danny would get it catered for parties and stuff. Yeah, we we still do that. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> Order your catering today. <laughs> yeah. This episode is sponsored by How Do You Yeah, Butter did the seasoning change once you knew that the butter was gonna like once you knew the honey butter was a factor in the fried chicken? Did I you think change we upped, the recipe to mess? You know, to we didn't change that? it. I think we upped the spice content. So like the mm. season, the flour, and then this is where our like. Our chef Cam, like our cul- now he's our culinary director, but our first hire for Honey Butter. Um, once we decided to open the restaurant and we started working on it and finding a space, like we, um, this guy Cam Warren, who we went to culinary school with, who's like literally the best person on the planet. I don't actually think he's from this planet. He's like a magical <laughs> cherub from some other planet. I feel like a brought lot here of the to teach us how to love someone like this. I mean, uh, Dinah was talking about someone similar yeah oh yeah we're just like this magical person he 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 makes like being around him i think most people would say this is he he just makes everybody better he's just got such a big heart and he loves food and he's just so caring and generous and kind and like you know even when he's mad he's happy (laughs) you know it's just like so we um he he came in as our first sous chef and then our chef uh chef de cuisine and he and Josh and I sort of like in the opening process tweaked it so like we could hit max flavor, like full flavor with like the spices. So it's a heavily spiced flour. It's like lots of black pepper, cayenne, smoked paprika is like, and then we finish each piece with the smoked paprika. Yeah. And I think all of that balance with the salt and the black pepper and the cayenne, the garlic powder, and then the honey butter. Um, we use really good butter from a farmer in Wisconsin, really good honey from a farmer in Wisconsin and like really nice salt. And just like it, just hits all those flavor yeah. things on your palate, mm-hmm. and it, everything people is love it. I should have yeah. brought some for. No, us it's today. all right. Yeah, we didn't expect. <laughs> Tim and I are just tummies <laughs> growling. It's your TG. Sorry, it's all right. That's, this happens to me a lot. We're like, we start talking about fried chicken. And well, like, Derek, he didn't bring any. Yeah, Derek crushed us at the beginning of an episode. Derek did he? Up he brought you pizza. Geez. Yeah, I bought us a brought ton us of pizza, and we were. It was amazing, but it was also like they were like fresh. And yeah. we were like starting to record. Danny was and eating so, throughout the whole. Yeah, Do you hear so I, like, I was the, like Yeah, I tried. Danny's to not like, do oh, that. like, yeah. I, 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 over here, I did yeah. it for you guys. I didn't want us to have like yeah, eating sounds. Yeah, yeah. Did it for the listeners. Yeah, <laughs> did it for the listeners. Yeah, you saved everyone. So, cares. so you guys, you, you're like, okay, this this, this is, is a thing. thing. We got to do this. Business plan, investors. Yeah. How does it all go? Is it like we're gonna make we're gonna have Sunday Dinner Club fund it? What yeah. was the, what was that process? So this like? is another I'm starting to see a theme just as we're talking, another crossroads where we're like we didn't actually decide that we wanted to open that restaurant. We had two friends, friends of ours, um, who are graphic designers who used to come to Sunday Dinner Club all the time, came to us and said, We think you guys should open a fried chicken and donut shop. Mm, and nice. you should do you should do it. You know, and we'll we'll do it with you. 
we'll partner with you on it and we'll um, fund part of it. Okay, and so we're helps. like, Josh and I were like, hmm, that's an interesting idea. And mm-hmm. so like we started to have some talks with them about what that would look like. And they're like, we'll do the graphic design and you guys will help you build out the restaurant and you guys will run it. Um, and so we quickly realized like doing donuts and fried chicken was like not going to be for us because it was just too many pieces of equipment that were needed in too many different parts of the kitchen. And we're you like, kind of have donuts now. I know we have two, the two birds. Those are, that's Cam's passion. I know we got there. Yeah. We got there did, eventually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we decided, we dropped it and we're like, we're just open the honey butter fried chicken restaurant. Um, yeah. And then we did. With those people. Yeah. So they, they helped us get it open. And then a couple years. Um, so when honey butter opened, <laughs> we really did not think that it was going to be what it was. And I say that with like the most humble heart. I really, I'm not being like, I didn't know it was going to be. Yeah. It's not a humble. Brag. I really didn't. Yeah. You can look at our opening. We, so they helped us with like a opening projections and like, oh, yeah. we never had to write a business plan because they invested and then we ended up getting like an SBA loan. So like we did, we had kind of skipped that part. We did a pro forma. We like ran the numbers on like, yeah, we'll have like a hundred people a day. <laughs> and Josh and I will cook in the kitchen. We'll butcher all the chicken ourselves. And like, I really did think it would be like a, I just was like, it'll be like a little sleepy. It'll just be like a little fried chicken shack. That is not. What yeah. happened? <laughs> so the product is amazing, but yeah. is there something you can point to that like that blew it up? I, you're not going to believe what took this. it to the next level. I think because of Sunday Dinner Club, that's why we had such a great opening. Is that like so many people? We were, I mean, we were vendors at the Green City Market. We used to do burgers mm-hmm. there. Like we had had the, built up the Sunday Dinner Club mailing list of people that would come to my house and have dinner, and we had like personal like connections with mm. the people that ate our food, like direct personal connections. Yeah. And like they were supporting us and they were like, go, go, go. It was like, we're underdogs, right? And so we just had so much support from like, it's like when you open a new business and nobody knows who you are, like that's so hard. Yeah. It's like people knew who we were, this this devoted sort of like diner community that we had built over 10 years. And so like when we, we would do pop-ups like in the process of trying to open and like get, trying to practice and work on our recipe and like tweak the spices, but they would all show up for this stuff. And we had a bunch of chefs also offer, like the community was so supportive. Like Jason Hamill did a pop-up with us before we opened and John Mannion hosted us for a pop-up. And like, just like they were, everybody was like, you can do it. Like we're gonna, they were just so supportive. And so like when we opened, we like we did a soft open thing where we said we sent out a list a mailing list newsletter to Sunday Dinner Club only and we're like we're gonna open two days for a soft open we never announced it to the media we're gonna open for two days before our grand open and you're invited show up we did it so we just practiced we thought like 50 people would show up the first day 500 people showed up oh. at the same time we had a line all the way down Elston <laughs> and I remember Josh and I were like oh we're did your line and hot dogs line touch? No. <laughs> we that joke with cool. Doug about that because he was down the street from us. Yeah. But when he was closing his restaurant, like yeah. a year, he, he announced his closure like six months after we're open. We're like, what? Yeah. We just opened. <laughs> um, but his line 
didn't quite get down to our restaurant, but it got so close. <laughs> yeah. And people in line waiting for hot dogs during his like six months closure announcement used to come to Honey Butter, get fried <laughs> chicken to stand in line for four hours and, and eat it, it and yeah. then get up there. But yeah, we never, we our lines never totally touched. <laughs> um, but then the second day that we opened the soft open, like we got crushed. We just got crushed by those. I mean, we sold out of food in like an hour and a half. We couldn't even feed everybody. Yeah. And then the next day, like 700 people showed up. And then the grand opening, it was like well over a thousand. And we just, I never expected that. I remember there was like this moment like where Josh and I were standing. And like when the restaurant opened, we, like I said, we thought we'd be working in the restaurant. We're like, just, we don't need to be owners. We're just gonna be chefs. And like, then I would go home at midnight and do all my owner stuff. Like yeah. The amount of yeah. sheer amount of work that ha- you know what I'm talking yeah, about. It's Scott like you don't. We would stay till like five in the morning. We'd have worked like yeah. all day. You're a bartender. Have like a meeting for three hours after that. Exactly. That was the first like four years of my life. Yeah. Um, but um, we were standing there, and I I started off in the kitchen. I was the expediter for the first like six months, and Josh stayed in the front, the front with the front of house team. And I remember him coming up to me at the pass, and it was like another one of those moments where things like slow down for a second. I can still see myself there like 10 Mm -hmm. years ago. And I had easily 50 tickets just piled up on the counter and more spinning. You know that sound, the ticket. I'm like probably giving people PTSD. And I remember like looking, I could see the window. I could see the line. The dining room's full. There's a line inside, a line outside. Tickets are spinning everywhere. And he came up to me and he said, what the fuck did we do? And I said, I don't know. And we just stared at each other like deers in headlights. And like, it never stopped. Like, it was like yeah. that literally, I think, until the pandemic. We had wow. like lines and it was just, it just, and then we just kept getting more media attention. Then we were on check, please. And it just kept, it never slowed down. It was crazy. And I never, th- I never expected a million years that it would ever be that popular or that busy. Well, congrats. Yeah. Yeah. You did it. I you mean, it, it. So we did it. It took a toll. Kind of, we you have like it. three locations. I mean, the United Center, Glencoe. Yeah. Well, Abigail. so the United Center is, we don't run the United, like, we, that's like a, a licensing, licensing deal. deal. So, mm-hmm. like, it's, um, you know, we send our chef cam. He, we are definitely involved in, like, the recipes, and we go regularly Do and QC. check in on things. And, like, but they run it for us. So, it's, like, we look at it as, like, it is a location, but it's, like, we're not running it. So, right. Glencoe's our second location. Yeah. So, um, when and when is that happening? Imminently. Imminently. I, January. Ooh, okay. January. No date, um, but January. Yeah. I think we wanted to open it um, this month, but we didn't. Uh, how we didn't make it. <laughs> how will it be different from the first one from Avondale? Um, like in terms of like the menu, not yeah, much. Menu feel, if anything. I think we're trying to infuse as much of the Elston spirit into this restaurant. So it's like it's other than it's bigger. And the space is like newer, um, and there's a private there's private dining and catering options that just because the space is bigger that we have there. But like in the future, well, Sunday dinner club upstairs, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I feel so much pressure. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> Got to put it into the universe. That's I guess. right. We're yeah. manifesting just for today. To show up. <laughs> you guys will be our first guests. Yeah, I'll be you, like, you're it's your fault yeah. that yeah. I'm doing <laughs> you this got again. Me into this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not really, I don't think 
we want it to be, it, we want it to stand on its own. It's obviously, it's in a different location. We've never opened a restaurant in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe prior to the pandemic, we might not have. I think the pandemic changed a lot of things for everybody, especially, I mean, yeah. you, we don't have to talk about that, but like it changed restaurants. Yeah, It changed, it definitely changed our plan for expansion. Like we had planned on expanding before this. We were like, we actually wrote a business plan. We're like, we're gonna open Honey Butters in like other cities and like, mm-hmm. we're, it's, now's the time. I remember we, that was January of 2020. Yeah, and I remember, <laughs> that wasn't the time. Yeah. Um, it was. I actually had gone out to LA. Like I was living in LA for like two months because well, um, I was from. like, I, remember how that's where you're from? Mm-hmm. I it's love LA so much. Yeah, it's like where got, in LA was it going to be? Well, we didn't well, get that. Where did far. you want it to be? I mean, probably in like a pretty de- like probably Silver Lake or Los yeah. Feliz or yeah. like Highland Park or like Glen. Like Glassell Park or whatever. Yeah, or Eagle Rock or Eagle some, Rock. like, you know, like, probably east side of L.A. But, like, also, like, we never got that far. I was, like, as I told you, I was, like, I, I've been, like, I've been trying to leave Chicago for so long. <laughs> yeah. And I was, like, this is my chance. We're going to expand, and I'm going to get to go live somewhere else. So I convinced my business partner to let me go live in L.A. for a couple months to, like, feel it out. I was, like, let me go check it out. Let me go, like, be there for a let's little bit. Let's just see what's out there. Yeah, yeah let's just see what's out there. <laughs> That's and like so, Tim and I being, like, let's just go on the road and record joiners in all these different cities. That's right. Yeah. Are you we, gonna- talk, we talk about it a lot. It's, <laughs> yeah, like- it's a lot of talk. It is but, a lot of talk. I think we'll do it in some iteration. I think you should. I was talking to a friend of mine, side note, last night. They were like, do they inter- ever interview people that aren't from Chicago? And I was like, I don't – I haven't listened to some of the older, older episodes, so I don't totally know. But, like, I'm only listening for, like, the last six months or so. But I'm like, you should because there's so many interesting yeah, people and sure. so many oh, conversations. Yeah, there's and no shortage wanna, of people. Yeah, we want to capture that. You guys should go and on since tour. Since we do it in person, it's like <laughs> we'd have to move ourselves. I know, but like that it. would be fun. Well, you've got yeah. uh, music business background. Could you be our tour manager? That was what I wanted to do before. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be a tour manager. So yeah, maybe this is our next <laughs> right, career move, it. you guys. <laughs> Joiners and Sunday Jerk Club were all going on tour. Yeah, there you go. Love so that. I had gone out to LA to explore the idea of like even what it would be like to like maybe live somewhere else while we have this restaurant group here. And that was January 2020. And I remember at the end of February, like Josh and I had this business plan. We were about to like pay a consultant to help us like move it. Mm-hmm. And he called me and he's like, I think you should come home. And I think, the world I is think that this this COVID thing is serious, and I think we should put us a cap on spending, and I think you should come back. And what, what was that date? Do you think if you had to it guess, it was the end of February. Yeah, that's. I remember it was like around the coronavirus. Yeah, he was following it, like, and he's like, "I have a bad feeling about this. I think you need to come home." Yeah, and so you brought COVID to Chicago. I is did. What you're saying? <laughs> I came home. I did. I brought it with me <laughs> from the West Coast. <laughs> no, uh, I also was. I, you know, I, I'm embarrassed to say I was like, I think you're overreacting. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I was in total that. denial. Yeah. I was like. Okay. I was I out mean, the night before in Chicago at Gaijin telling someone who had just heard yeah. from his connections in Seattle that things were like shutting down. I was like, Pfft. I like, know I did insane. it too. I was like, it's a flu. And I, I'm like embarrassed. I'm so embarrassed that I like, I think it was just, I was just yeah. in denial. I was like, Same. he's like, you need to come home. This is going to get serious. We're going to put, we're not, we have to put a hold on this. We'll just see how this goes for the next couple of weeks. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, fine. So I came home. On March uh, 11th, I drove back to Chicago with my dog, and then uh, we closed our restaurant three weeks later. 
Yeah. And it just was like, it was one of those things, like, it just was like, crash, crash, yeah, crash. Yeah, it was brutal. Mm-hmm. It was like, I was just in the sun, eating a taco, yeah, right. thinking my life is do- going great, and then it just, now I lost my job, my yeah. restaurant's closed, like, I have to try and figure out how to pay my employees' health insurance, and like, uh, yeah. that said, like, the process of like having that loss, like Jason Hamill talked a little bit about this on his episode where he's like, there's this frat, like you just Identity are so crisis. worried that you're going to lose it. Yeah. And it never occurred to me that I would like lose honey butter because it was mm-hmm. such a sure thing. Like I'm doing air quotes, like it was so doing so well. And then everything changed. And I think it forced us to be like, detach a little bit from it and be like, how can we make this survive and live in this new era that we live in. And mm-hmm. we were like, we need to go where people, like there's communities and families and where people want delicious food, where there's like less competition. And, or there's a just not, maybe not less competition, but like more of a need yeah. for this type of like, commu- like community yeah. family restaurant. And we're like, we have to, we're gonna open the suburbs. I mean, so many people have started to do that that have restaurants in the city. Yep. Oh my gosh, uh, Small Cheval. It's and the next frontier, the suburb. It is, and we found a beautiful space. Like it came to us, again, like another crossroad. Is it near Guildhall? I mean, it must be near It's Guild next Hall. door to Guildhall. Yeah. We're two it? doors down yeah. from Guildhall and they, they've been like the great stretch, and right? supportive. And um, there's a coffee shop down the street called Hometown that's great. We go there all the time and they, the owners, like the community there. The Writer's Theater. The Writer's Theater. Excellent. Like, the city itself, like, like everyone that works for the administration, like they're like, come here, come here. They just made it so yeah. easy for us. And the building is, is a historic building. It was already renovated. Cool. Um, and, you know, it just felt like it was like, okay, now's the time. Like now we're going to do it. Yeah, I love that. We'll see. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited and, and, and scared. And, uh, you know, I have the same feeling that I had when I opened Elston, but with all the knowledge yeah, like great. I don't think yeah. I'm going to be working the expo station with 60 tickets. Yeah. Like Josh isn't going to come up to you at the pass and say, "What the, <laughs> the hell did we, we do? do?" He <laughs> might. <laughs> he might. Oh God, I'm sure he will. Like we just we're at this place again, being different. Like having this 10 year experience under our belt, but like it's the same, but it's different. And I'm I'm excited to see how it pans. I mean, I think it'll go well. Yeah, oh, it, will. it will. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. All Especially right. once we get that uh, PDR going with the supper club. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Club. It's gonna. I just. It has to happen now. Yeah. The universe. The universe says. This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Stock Manufacturing, makers of fine hospitality workwear. You obsess over the details in your space, so why stop at your staff's uniforms? Stock has something for every aesthetic, from fine dining to a corner cafe. They've got you covered. Choose from in-stock, ready-to-wear options, or design the perfect custom uniform for your team. For more information, visit stockmfgco.com. Is it gratuity Sorry, round time? Gratuity round. Well, it's time. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Well, I didn't want to not get anything. <laughs> yeah, just no. like well, at least we'd capture the gratuity. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think we've kind of we've covered. Is there anything else you wanted to cover before we get to the gratuity round? I don't know. I mean, like we could probably talk for hours. Yeah, for we sure. Could. We'll do I another. Think we did a good job. I think we did a pretty good job. Yeah, we'll have we Josh come on and Josh will fill in the gaps. Josh yeah. will fill in the gaps. Sure. All right, then I'm ready. We're gonna start with. I'm ready. What is 
your death row meal. My death row meal. I thought I thought about so I I um, am a studier and a preparer, and so like I obviously listen to the podcast, and I did what Jason did, Jason Hamill did, and I like listened to what everyone else said, and I was like, <laughs> I am prepared. I have a notebook with my answers. Love that. I but don't I know see you guys notebook. are gonna throw surprise questions at me. Yeah. Um, no, 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 no. So I thought a lot about this, and it could go in two di- different directions. I could go in like time and place, like very specific meals in very specific places. So like going to eat sushi at the fish market in Tokyo. Like maybe do we go in that direction or do we go with mm. like my favorite thing to cook at home? That That's a good question. Is man. like what I cook the most out of any recipe ever. And I think I'm more going that direction. Okay. okay so you're on house arrest. So you're not going to Tsukiji. I'm I want to be with my dog. That's yeah. I'm not gonna go to. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I, that would be an amazing last meal because it's probably the best oh, sushi so I've good. ever had in my life. Yep. Just like put in front of me. But I, my favorite thing to make, and that I eat probably eat the most is just like when cherry tomatoes or sungold tomatoes are in season. It's like a burst cherry tomato sungold tomato sauce, fresh, with like capellini, parmesan, basil. And like garlicky breadcrumbs on top, and mm. I probably eat that like during the summer and even in the winter if I can get them. Um, I mean, easily once a week, and it's like my favorite thing to mm. eat because it's just you can't hide behind anything. It's just pure. It tastes like t- summer. Tastes like summer, um, and I just love it so much. So probably just pasta with tomato sauce. Yeah, I like death it. Row meal. Let's just keep it. Comfort. Yeah. I don't want to like. That's just who I am, right? I'm like, let's just be honest with people. Yeah. <laughs> I just want pasta with tomato sauce. I want to go out with my favorite thing that I love to eat. That's I think Ellie, Ellie would say something very similar. Yeah, just that's what I want to eat. It's what I crave the most. So I think that maybe one last cappellini before I peace out. <laughs> <laughs> before I'm gone. <laughs> All right, great answer. All right. Um, favorite hidden gem restaurant. Okay, Chicago or outside of Chicago? Let's do both. Okay, favorite hidden gem restaurant in Chicago. is. I don't know if it's a hidden gem because I think a lot of people know about it, but is Bren Mar Breakfast Club. Have you guys been there? I'm not. What? Oh, yeah. Should we go? Yeah. Let's it, do it is, you guys, it is so good. It is like, I love this place for brunch. Um, it They have the best chilaquiles, in my opinion. Wow. Um, chilaquiles Verdes. It is consistently delicious. Service is always good. They have like the creamers on the table and like little vases of flowers. And it's like very unassuming place. And like they have great French toast and pancakes and skillet. Like everything is good. I actually Mm. feel like the chef there may have like maybe worked at Frontera or something or Temple Bombo or some, some, there's some like correlation there. But it's just like very unassuming, really good, delicious, consistent. Like I've had chilaquiles there probably like a hundred times every time and this i really respect this when you can do green or red i always get the green i'm like partial to the green but i've had the red and it's Mm, great too both yeah they're like skillets are really good and they're like you got to get a table cake like a table french toast like the Mm. mascarpone french toast Um, is that your move do you order the french toast for the table always get a table that's my dad's move too it should be everyone's move that i would endorse that table cake for everybody always Table Always cake. get a table cake. Table cake for the masses. Let, That's right. Let them eat cake. And where's the hidden gem not in Chicago? So there is a um, uh, a Japanese restaurant in New York in uh, um, I don't know the neighborhood it's in. I think it's on 52nd Street. So like upper, no, Midtown? 
think it's Midtown. And my friend Jessica, who's a, who lives in Brooklyn, is like works around this place, and she took me there. It's like it's called Soba Nippon, and it has been there for decades. Um, and it is this soba noodle salad mm. haunts my dreams. I have tried for years to replicate this like spicy, creamy like dressing that they have. I mean, I, I think I've gotten close on it, but it's just, I think about it. It's so perfect. Like the dressing and like there's, they make their own soba noodles from, they they um, they have a buckwheat farm in Canada. <laughs> so they make their <laughs> own fresh buckwheat noodles and wow. they are so chewy and delicious. Beautiful salad greens, crunchy vegetables, fried tofu, and then this like dressing that you douse it all in. I, it, I don't think it's on any list hmm. anywhere. And it's like, every time I go to New York, it's like, it, it, I have to go and get That's soba. a good tip. That it sounds is, delicious. Everyone is so good. Soba noodles are, uh, they can go wrong. They can go wrong and like they just crush it. Like mm. it is the example. I mean, like if everyone's like, where do you go and eat in New York? I'm like, soba noodle. I yeah. want the soba salad. I'll be there at the end of the month. I'll Shout out to my friend out. Jessica that yeah. told me about it. Um, and now I'm telling you guys about yeah, it. It sounds it's, great. Please That's, go. It's I, incredible. I love that they have like proprietary noodle from their buckwheat farm in yeah. Canada. It's like, I'm sure it's, it's like a story. blend because it has a chew to it. Like I've had 100% buckwheat noodle and that's like a little more dense. Mm. I'm sure they're cutting it with like, it's got to have some gluten flour in it because it's, yeah. the chew on it is like perfect hmm. it's so good and the dressing i i mean my god chef's kiss <laughs> it's perfect it's my head and gem go there everyone please okay great tip all right now what's the secret to home fried chicken oh man you threw me off i did <laughs> go to honey butter fried chicken <laughs> don't do it yeah it, it's I the type think- of thing where like you don't want to bother with it at home. I, I did it once at a Super Bowl party at my business partner Jim's house. I did uh, chicken and waffles. Yeah. And it was good. But like, it's a here, mess, especially someone else's house. So that's where I was going to go with it is like here. Acceptance is key. If you want to make your own fried chicken at home and have it be a super special. I mean, like fresh fried chicken, fresh out of the fryer. There's nothing better. Yeah. It's so good. You have to accept that your house will smell like yeah. a deep fryer, mm-hmm. not fried chicken. Deep fryer is different. Yeah, right. The deep fryer smell is different it t- than fried It smells chicken. like the process, not the result. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a mess, but mm-hmm. it's so delicious. And it's, if you love fried chicken, like, just be very careful. When you put the fried chicken in the oil, put it, like, drop it in away from you. Mm-hmm. And drop it in Lay gently. Lay it in. Lay it in. Like, yeah. just gently kiss the fried, the oil with the chicken. You don't want to, like, throw it in. Um, and just accept that your journey is going to be that your house is going to smell and yeah. uh, it's going to be messy. And you, yeah. Now we talked with uh, Zach Engel about temperature for frying, and yes. I know it, it's going to yeah. vary, but yeah. What what would you recommend? Um, it depends on how you're doing it. Like okay. if you have like, um, let me put it this way: okay. three fifty or three seventy five. You guys are going to hate me. So we do ours at three three thirty. Okay, you're not in a, <laughs> um, not in a hurry. Not in a hurry. Um, I think it depends on if you had a bone in or no bone. Right, so if you were doing right. bone in, I'd probably I would go less because it takes longer to cook it through. Yeah, because the bone and holds you, on to cold, right? Right. But you and just have the drumstick that has the bone. We and just the rest have the doesn't. drumstick that has the bone. So you but, fry them both differently, different times. 
we fry them in different baskets, but we still fry them at a lower temperature because we want to give the, and we have like very powerful fryers. I think if you're doing cast iron pan on the home, you might want to start higher because as soon as you drop that chicken in, it's going to drop the temp. So like start at 350, 360. When you put it in, it's going to go to 325. But like for us, we we set it at 350. It's staying there. It doesn't matter what you put in it. Um, And if, yeah, it's like if you're doing tenders, right, or strips, like you could probably get away with a higher temp um, and cook it faster. But I would, I like we err on the side of like lower, slower. So the skin... Um, can render, especially on those drumsticks. Mm. Like if you're doing a bone-in thigh and breast, like you want to give it time. N- nobody wants to bite into like a chewy piece of chicken skin. You want that that to nicely render yeah. and get crispy yeah, yeah, and delicious. Yeah, yeah. That's um, right. Here's another ad hoc question. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> Have you ever gotten weird with the fryer? You ever put some goofy stuff in there? <laughs> it's like this. Which direction well, are sexual. we going? <laughs> God, what is wrong with you? Never. It's not safe. Uh, yeah, we put things in the. <laughs> Oh, God. Like, you know, you go to the county fair, everything's fried. We have put many things in our deep fryer. Yeah, let's, come on, spill the beans. We have deep fried, I think, all of our sides at this point. (laughs) Um, We have, like, taken our mashed potatoes and breaded, put them, packed them into balls. Ooh, that's cool. That's like an ice cream almost. Yeah, or it's like, like almost like a mashed potato, like a, uh, what's it called, a knish? Is that that what it is? Where Mm -hmm. it's like deep fried potatoes. So we'll bread them and fry them and then, like, put gravy on them. We've breaded and fried our mac and cheese we've breaded and fried our grits like <laughs> i'm i you know we've yeah i think that's anything that we have in our restaurant we probably put in our fryer <laughs> at some point and notice none of those things have ever made it on the menu yeah just, but you're innovating and you're exploring just, that's important we get we're <laughs> bored we're like let's see what happens when we put you know our french toast that we serve at honey butter is deep fried we bake it this beautiful um like brioche um french toast and um they bake it and then they cut it and then to to crisp it up we we put it in our deep fryer. That's a. It's still everyone you're loves it. Halfway to Monte Cristo at that point, right? Kind, kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. All right. I'm glad I asked. Yeah. Uh, all right. Favorite fast food. So I don't really eat fast food, but snob alert. but no, I know. <laughs> yes. No, I, you know what it is. I, I'm gonna be. You're I'm either gonna, a snob or a liar. I'm not a liar. I have. I'm not a snob or a liar. I don't Just eat too fast considerate. food. You guys are gonna be, feel bad. I have like a bum lemon of a digestive system and so like okay. I, years reason. of abuse from like being a chef and like just eating like an asshole and, and deep like, frying uh, deep frying things everything. and like going out late and drinking and uh and just eating burgers at like long minute like one in the morning i just i can't actually eat okay. i have to eat salad which now. one do you wish you could eat so i was gonna say but i do make an exception for portillo's okay I love Portillo's. I will go eat there a couple of times a year and just deal with the consequences of it. But I grew up. Do you not have consequences from eating fried chicken? I don't. I I try not to eat a lot of it anymore. You're just like sampling it to make sure. I just try it now. Like, you know, and it's like, it's not that dire, but like, Mm. I can't, I can't eat like fast food. Like it'll just destroy me. And I just, I'm like trying to, you know, in this, you know, my middle age, just try to be a lot healthier and nurture my body with like nourishing food. And like fried chicken is a sometimes food. I still eat it. Yeah, it's a treat. But I love Portillo's. And what's the order? Chicago style dog. Nice. And cheese fries. They have, I love their cheese fries. The cheese sauce is like ridiculous. I'm sure it 
probably comes from a can, and I don't care. Yeah, I don't know if you can call it cheese, but it it's is delicious. Cheese, <laughs> it's cheese delicious, and I will, I, I would love it. It's my second, like, uh, what's it, like, death row meal. I, beside my, I would love, to, I love that hot dog. And I honestly, I don't remember where the first Portillo's was, but I'm pretty sure one of them was in my hometown. So I grew up eating Portillo's, and it's a nostalgia for me. Cool. I'm trying to remember, was it Anna who said that we should get rid of ketchup on a... No, no. Or no, no, no one wants ketchup, ketchup instead not of the, the tomato. Not, to, not the tomato, correct. How do you feel about that? You know, I am a bipartisan <laughs> on <laughs> on response. on ketchup on hot dogs because I, I, you know, I grew up eating ketchup on my hot dogs as a kid. In yeah, the so did I. But my thing is, if you're going to put ketchup on a hot dog, that should be the only condiment. Agreed. It's ketchup or you do or everything mustard, else. onion, relish, like but also, I don't really care. I will reach yeah. across the aisle for that. Anything on a hot dog, I'm, yeah. I'm a, yeah, I'm a big advocate. And do you have a hot dog of choice? I really like Superdog. I was like, a, oh, who yeah, said like Superdog? Zach. Zach. Zach when, yeah. So Zach and I live in the same neighborhood. We okay, all, so a bunch of chefs actually you. weirdly live up yeah. there. Joe, Joe Frillman. Joe Frillman. Johnny and Bev live up there. Oh, Josh, I didn't know my Johnny business partner, oh, yeah. lives up there. I knew Josh there. lived up there. Yep. And Zach. And Zach. And like, you guys. in Edgebrook. Yeah, Wildwood Edgebrook. Yeah. yeah, we all like. Or, sorry, yeah. Yeah, we all live in the. This sounds the like a piece. Superdog. Maggie Hennessy would write like the secret yeah. chef's neighborhood of Chicago. Yeah, I and <laughs> I don't think any of us planned it, but it yeah. was like I think I'm the last one that came up there because Josh moved up there and then he, he bought a house with his wife and and son and he was like, uh, because his friend Steve, our guy, our friend Steve Sullivan who owns Vine Joy, it's a really great wine distributor. Mm-hmm. He's been like you guys got to move up here. It's like, great. The houses are beautiful. You're still in the city. You're next to the forest preserve. The schools are good. And you're still in the city, you know? And so like Josh moved up there and then he's like, you got to move up here. And I was like, I'm not, I'm still going to LA. I'm not moving up there. And then I, I saw, I like literally saw a house and I was like, this is my dream. If I'm going to stay in Chicago, this is like my dream house. And I bought it and I like, I'm so happy I live there. It's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, Super Dog, because it's not in my neighborhood, and I just think that business is amazing. Yeah. Like, it's just amazing. It's a good answer. It's a gem. All right. What's your least favorite food? I don't really have one. My least favorite food? It's a newer question. I think. Didn't need to catch you off guard. Like an ingredient. Yeah, it is a newer question. I didn't prepare. Um, You know, I don't. No, I think like probably I just think I I maybe I'd say it like in a more democratic way. It's like I don't like things that aren't prepared well. So Ooh. like my feet for least favorite food is food that is not okay, prepared so that's, well. All right, let me rephrase like bad your ingredi- question. Like not great what's, ingredients, like not seasoned well, like overcooked, undercooked. What's just, a dish that you find to be freq- frequently executed poorly? Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, fried chicken is the answer, actually. Uh, Fried chicken, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I have to really think on that. Maybe eggs. I feel like like a lot of times it's really hard to cook eggs well. Really hard. What's your preferred egg style at home? I do. I'm like, I'm going to like put my foot in my mouth now. Um, So I cook my eggs wrong at home. Like my culinary school instructors (laughs) would probably be horrified. Is like I like... A broken yolk, but not an overcooked yolk. So I have a cast iron, well seasoned cast iron pan, mm-hmm. um, and I'll kind of fry them like they're a fried egg. But then right at the end, I'll pop the yolk, flip it, let it sit for twenty seconds, and then take it off. So like it's almost like 
like a fried soft boiled egg. There like, is like no a name cad for that. There is. I call it eggs the wrong way. Oh, if I okay. ever write a cookbook, I'm going to be like, here's <laughs> eggs that eggs the wrong way. I, I, love I like it. that though. I sometimes you I get do the that crispiness. with um, yeah, you do. I do that with a toad in the hole. Toad in the hole. Exactly. It's yep. like toad in the hole without the hole. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like the crispy white, and I like a Cadbury yolk. I don't like a really super runny yolk, and I. I don't like when eggs are undercooked, like the white is yeah, cooked, yeah, the which is why I do the yeah. flip. And yeah. But I let it, it's just like really quick. Mm-hmm. And I take it off and you still get that creamy Cadbury yolk, but the crispy white. But it's raw. It's raw. Everybody what would What temper are you raw. frying this? I got, like, are you high a setting, middle setting, low I setting? I like medium high. Yeah. Medium high with an egg? You're brave. I, yeah. I mean, I like it to be quick. Yeah. yeah. Medium high with a fried egg. Yeah. Me- I mean... I have like a really good stove at home, so like maybe maybe it's medium on like a like a like a home range. I have like a, yeah. I splurged and got myself like a really nice. Yeah, wolf. brag. What is it? Wolf. I have a wolf range. Yeah. I have like IKEA cabinets and like a wolf range. That's the way to do <laughs> it. I just I'm like <laughs> yeah. lowbrow, highbrow. I'd much rather my, have the, yeah. Yeah, when course. I renovated my kitchen in my like last place, I I did it with a with one of my employees helped me out, and I like bought everything from Websterant and IKEA except the stove. I like. Yeah. It's like, I want a good stove. Yeah. And so, like, my medium, maybe it's yeah, like, I gotcha. yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. No. Maybe that's a write-off. That's a write No, it's definitely not. <laughs> you think you think that things are write-offs, but they're nothing. Yeah. That's not a lot of write-offs. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, what is your favorite cocktail? Okay. So, currently... I don't drink anymore, um, not because like something happened or because I don't like alcohol. It just doesn't. Some like, like over the years, I've always had a really low tolerance for it. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't sit well with me. And then I got to be forty, and then we just took a nosedive. Like I'll have a half a glass of wine and like just feel like shit. And so like a couple of years ago, I was like, I'm. It's not worth it to me anymore. Yeah. Um, but I do miss it. Yeah. Um, what so, was your favorite? So my cocktail? and then this will lead me to my favorite <laughs> and not, my 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 old favorite was either like um, a Negroni or like an Aperol spritz because I love that bitter. Mm-hmm. I don't like sweet things. Back yeah. to the pastry style. I don't like anything like sugary, but I like a little bit, and I love the bitter. So like I found this. Um, um, what a time to be alive if you don't drink. By the way, so like so many spirit free spirits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I found this stuff. It's like Wil- Wilfred's, like aperitif. Mm. Um, that's like a bitter orange and rosemary. Like it tastes almost like an Aperol spritz. If I put like a little Topo Chico and like a little slice of orange and like a little sprig of mint in it. So like that's okay. pretty much what I've been drinking. And where, you, where can you find that? I just bought it online. Okay. I got, like I got it from Food Fifty Two. Like they like yeah. an ad because I've bought some like non-alcoholic spirits over the last couple of years because I like want I still want to have a beautiful cocktail experience I just don't want the booze Um, but this stuff is like it it almost convinces me that I'm drinking a spritz or like a Negroni so how long have you not had alcohol when did you probably like during the pandemic when everyone started drinking (laughs) everyone started drinking I I'm more of a I'm like a maybe I should admit I'm just like I'm more of a cannabis yeah, connoisseur. That's so not, like drinking no, was never. There's no really, stigma attached to that yeah, anymore. Yeah, if I weed's legal. Yeah, it's legal, and I it's more of my nature. I'm more of like a stoner than a drinker. Yeah, and uh, it's okay. I'm too. Yeah, it, and I used to drink. Just I drank because I like the taste of it, but also more so I just like the social aspect. Mm-hmm. I loved going to Scofflaw and like sitting at the bar and like having a nice cocktail, but like. 
I was like, it's just not, I'll still go. I'll just get something without alcohol. But like, if I had to choose. She'll show up, pony I'll up just, to the bar, stoned to the bejesus belt, and no, eat all the burgers. Like, yeah. <laughs> Give me 10 burgers. I like rather just, I don't know. I'm like a stay, no, take an edible and stay at home with my dog. Yeah, and yeah. like, that's, it's better for me. Yeah. I'm uh, the same. You're way. the same. I knew, right. I knew it. <laughs> all right. What is one thing that's always in your fridge at home? Eggs. Yeah. Yeah. It's, All right. like, you it's ha- constant. Are you loyal to a brand? So I, um, I if I have to just buy a brand from the grocery store, I think I buy the Vital Farms like mm-hmm. cage free. But it, lately, I've been doing. Um, I order them from a farmer, Whoa. and so like we, there's this farmer, um, Marty from Spence Farm. And he has like they deliver to restaurants and they aggregate like all these different small farms from Illinois um, and the Midwest, but mostly from Illinois. And so like he sends out a list once a week to all the chefs. Like here's all the ingredients and like a lot of chefs buy from him. Hmm. Um, and For so, personal use, you mean? Well, so during the pandemic, also, yeah. they shifted and said because all the restaurants like closed, and hmm. so they shifted and started letting pe- just people buy it. And I think then restaurants started open again, and so like you can still buy stuff from Marty. So I'll like send him a list, and like. I just say I want a dozen chicken eggs and like whatever farm he gets them from that week, I just get them and they're so good. Is it a fixed price? Mm-mm. It depends so on where. On the fa- yeah, it just depends on, on yeah. whatever farm has eggs that week. And like I just get a dozen chicken eggs. And so the farm changes and they're always, I mean, they're farm fresh. Yeah. Beautiful eggs. But if I, I buy them from the grocery store, I'll get them. I grew up with chickens. So we oh, always man. had so fresh, fresh eggs. And we kept them on the counter. We didn't refrigerate them. Yeah. Which is a very European I used to, I did my internship from culinary school, in culinary school in France, and that was my first introduction. Like, I showed up, and they had, like, stacks of eggs just sitting on the counter with, like, they were not cleaned yet. Yeah, right, And, like, because yeah. the farm just dropped them off, and I was like, aren't we going to put these in the cooler? And they're like, you don't put them in the cooler. No, what? They don't put their <laughs> butter in the cooler, the eggs, and I learned. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, you don't need to store those things in the mm-hmm. fridge. Like, they're that- better if you don't. Now I'm on Slagle Farms, yeah, at, which you can get at Fresh Marketplace, those and, that's, eggs are and it's great. very reasonably priced for yeah. the price of eggs these days. And yeah. the yeah. yolks are those like rich orange yolks. They're beautiful, very beautiful. Beautiful. What's the price? I think there are six for a dozen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Shannon will like uh, she'll hard boil, you know, probably two dozen eggs a week. She's an egg freak. Wow. Yeah, me and yeah, Shannon should hang tough. out. She's going deep. I Sa- love them. That's my protein. That's my protein. I, just, yeah. I, I probably eat eggs every day. Do you day. have an egg, egg uh, like the little device? What, what are we? Like, uh, <laughs> Shannon has like a hard boiling thing. <laughs> no. And it's, uh, should I get one? I don't yeah, know about you, it, this. It holds seven eggs, which oh, is a weird yeah, number yeah, for yeah. it to hold. Yeah. And uh, then at the end, it boils. It, it works perfectly. You put a little bit of water in the bottom, and then it's like a little gla- uh, plastic, clear plastic dome that you put over what? it. And uh, I don't know about It goes this. for, I think, 12 minutes. But you can do like different Is it perfectly settings. cooked? It's perfectly cooked, and you depending oh, on how much water. I think there's a sensor, so when the water's gone, it stops. Or it actually, plays a song goes ding, diddling, ding, 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 diddling. <laughs> this so is she, like she my rice dance. maker does that. <laughs> yeah, it's like that when you it's get the, the rice maker it's vex. A, it's a, oh my god, I have to look into They're this. Like, 19 bucks or I, something. Thank you, Shannon. Yeah, you might uh, get one in the mail. <laughs> send one for me. Oh, my God. All right, all right. Let's keep things rolling right. here. Yep, I'm uh, ready. Music history. What's your favorite band or musician? This one perplexed me less. Actually, Vex no, wait, hold on. This is Spotify week. Spotify. <laughs> what does Spotify say is your favorite oh my band God. or musician? Okay. And I then did what look is at my rap. Yeah. I looked at my rap, and I was, like, not surprised. So I guess... I think my favorite band is The National. Oh, good. I think okay. that um, 
you know, I think most people would probably be like, it's probably Bony Bear because I have like a Bony Bear tattoo. And but I think, um, I think it's the National. I think that I've loved them for so long, and um, they're just like constant in my life. And um, I guess I just like the sad so dads. Like the, yeah, like sad Mellow, dads. Sad male I just vocalist. Like my slow. music with a little despair. Yeah. Ellie has the same favorite artists. Oh, Bony Bear really? and the National. Yeah, and I like runner up. Maybe we're on drugs. Ooh, I nice. love the war on drugs too. Yeah. So those three. I can I pick three? It was yeah. really hard. But like I think, yeah, the rap said I the national released two albums this year. Really? And so I like I was that. like, this is not fair. They released two albums. Like, of course it's gonna be on my rap, but I also really like them. So now just because I'm curious, Danny, yeah. <laughs> tell us about your Spotify rap. Yeah, I don't about use your Spotify, so I have that oh, rap. What? Yeah. Do you have Apple, Apple music? I uh, I'm yeah. I'm gonna I think we're gonna switch to Apple Music in the restaurant, honestly. Yeah. We do it. Yeah, you do it. We should talk offline about yeah, that. Yeah, we like, can. Can you give me some advice about what to use? Yeah. We use Spotify at, at Moonlighter, and it's, yeah, yeah it was it's, problematic. It's, for ch- it's problematic for a number of reasons, yes. and we'll, we'll confer. Yeah. We'll confer with my colleague later. What's yeah. your rap say? All right, I'll give you my top five, because I yeah. think I know them. Grateful Dead was one. Two was Beach Boys. Three was... <laughs> for you. I love this <laughs> Three for was you. Van Morrison. Four was... Uh, Marty Robbins Marty and Robbins. five was Elvis for Deep some cut. reason. I thought Nicki Weird. Minaj was your favorite. <laughs> that's my that, no, that's yeah. my Apple Music rap. It's Nicki yeah. Minaj, SZA, <laughs> Megan Thee Stallion. I support your I Cardi support B. your rap. Yeah, I was like, man, I, like I haven't listened to any. Like all my top bands are from the '60s. I think it's great. Yeah. Like it's great. All right, moving on. Let's keep mm. rolling here. Uh, what's your go-to host gift? Oh, this one I really liked. Because it's new. Yeah. So, like, I think before, if I were going to eat somebody's house, I would bring something very traditional. Like, I love bringing fresh flowers for people. Mm, that is nice. Um, I tend, or I'll bring a bottle of wine because I think everybody wants that. But, like, recently, when people started coming to my house, I was like, I don't want to just, like, I want people to go home with something. Like, it's sort of that little takeaway. I think this is left, like, it, just part of the hospitality business. Is like, you want to leave somebody with, like, a little Mignardie or, like, a little something, a treat. I always love that when you go to a restaurant and they give you something for later. Yeah. And so, like, when people come to my house, I started making, like, vinaigrettes mm. in a jar, in, like, a mason jar. And I love making vinaigrettes. I think it's totally underrated. Like, mm. I think it makes a salad. Yeah. It makes a dish. Is it shelf-stable? Yeah, I mean, I keep it in the fridge. Yeah, for what? A couple yeah. weeks? Yeah, I mean, yeah, if she's it's, giving people if it's, botulism, but like, yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, uh, no one comes back. <laughs> I like, I'll put it extra. I'll be like, use within seven to ten days. Yeah, I mean, like a vinaigrette, like a hold in your fridge for a couple weeks, and like, there's dairy in it, maybe a little less, but yeah. like, I think it's something that people don't want to spend time making yeah and it's so nice to have like and you know you know i i mean i do that too where i like put a little olive oil vinegar or salt pepper and just like make a quick salad but when you have like yeah, a sure. well-made mm-hmm. vinaigrette with like shallots and mustard and like two types like uh, orange juice and like vinegar and like really nice olive oil and like it's such a treat because yeah. i think it really elevates the salad and it's not something i think people think no, you're so right. my gift to you when I come to eat at your house will be some sort of vinaigrette. I like that. Yeah. Made by a professional Made by chef. A, that I love making vinaigrettes too. It's like my special are you, skill. Are you emulsifying that? Sometimes, sometimes okay. not. Depends okay. on the salad. <laughs> All right. I, I am taking requests though. I will, I'll send a Google form you can fill out. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Dietary restrictions. All right. Uh, what is your favorite movie? Oh, I miss 
Um, it's a new one. Probably the Big Lebowski. <laughs> Big Lebowski. It's great. I think so. Does everybody say that? No. The dude abides. Like, yeah. The dude abides. <laughs> it's just like your opinion, man. Yeah. Um, I, I, I that think one out like a lot. consistently, I would say that or like the Star Wars franchise. Yeah. Star okay. Wars franchise. Huge fan of Star Wars. Did you uh, did you watch Mandalorian? Absolutely. I've watched Mandalorian like 20 times. So during Thanksgiving, <laughs> my uh, cousin, or Shannon's cousin, who is also in the film industry out in L.A., she um, she's like, oh, we should watch uh, the like behind-the-scenes thing about Mandalorian. Yeah. It's like how Jon Favreau like, yes. basically invented a new style of shooting that's like AI yeah. with gigantic screens. In the dome. Yeah, they it's like on HBO Max or Max. Um, I oh, recommend that to everybody. It's very, very cool. It's almost as cool as the actual Mandalorian. Yes, yeah. I have not watched Mandalorian, but I watched. Yeah. I want to now because I watched the behind the scenes thing. It was really neat. There, mm. yeah, I love love Star Wars. Yeah, huge nerd, huge nerd. That's. <laughs> I wish I had Star Wars trivia. Oh man, you know so I, I have some uh, staff members, some, some of our chefs that are like super into Star Wars, and it's like so awesome to go to work after they watch like they'll watch the episode the minute they'll stay up to like three in the morning and like watch it and then they'll come to work and like it's been so fun to like talk to them about all these episodes all these spin-off shows it's like a bonding thing for us that's cool yeah i love them, love them. all right and then our last question mm-hmm. if you weren't doing this what the hell would you be doing oh my god um I think I would probably be doing one of two things. I think I I would love to be a writer. I love writing. Um, I don't do it enough. I used to write all of our newsletters for Sunday Dinner Club, and I've actually done a couple of published pieces um, in Chicago Magazine and some blogs and stuff like that. I I loved it. I don't make time for it. Um, The restaurant just requires so much of me that I just don't make time for that art. Um, So I think if I wasn't doing this, I would write. So nonfiction. No, I would do like, oh. uh, like, probably like food, like or lifestyle, like some like reporting. Yeah, lighting, that's cool. Like, but but more like food related, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, um, or maybe I would be like one of those people that renovates or like buys a piece of land and like puts like tiny houses on it and like rents them out, like an innkeeper or something. Yeah, would you want you'd want the hospitality would, aspect of hosting people on I'd, the property? Totally, like I'm obsessed with those like That's properties. Too. Shannon yeah. and I are going into business. Yeah, Josh, you're hearing it here. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. I'm leaving. Yeah, this is it. Uh, honey butter? No, I'm not. I'm not. I would not. I'm not a bit. But yeah, I mean, like, um, but like Wandawega. Lo- you're a, a, an exactly. alum of the Wandawega event. That's like, right. Teresa's got it so made where yeah. she's just like hosts the dopest events, and she's the innkeeper. She is magnificent. I just watched. So there's a show on Max called Bespoke Inns that I just totally crushed on my day off, mm-hmm. like 20 episodes, and Wanda Wega was one, and it's all about these like bespoke inns around the United mm, States of people cool. that like that have like these small properties that are like so special and unique and interesting, and I was like, I would do that. I mm-hmm. would like get a piece of property in the woods somewhere yeah. and like build some tiny houses, and like maybe I'd do a little food thing, and uh Yeah, it's part of why I'm drawn to like out. supper clubs too, because exactly. like, that was it was like a destination that people usually lived on site yep and it was just like yeah come over we're having a party every night exactly. for dinner have some drinks have some food that's the future of sunday dinner club i'm just gonna open Supper a little club. a little inn yeah in the middle just of nowhere some, just the i want yeah on some one of these days i am gonna get out into the mountains and the forest and yeah do it we all will 
Yeah, we're whether, all going to do it together. we're forced or we're retreating. Shannon and I are going to start it first, and then you guys can join us. There you go. All right, nice. You heard it here first. <laughs> we broke a lot of news on yeah, this one. Yeah, we did. So much news, <laughs> so much manifesting. Oh. All right. Thank well, that's you, guys. A wrap. Thanks was, so much for joining us. This, this is fun. Delightful. I love your podcast and love talking to you and keep going. Thank you. Thank you. And that concludes our conversation with Christine Sikowski of Honey Butter Fried Chicken. Thanks for listening. Remember to check us out on social media. I think we're only on Instagram. We, <laughs> yeah, I, kinda, I started a Twitter and then forgot about it. I keep getting, okay, yeah, I keep getting emails that it's like, you have new notifications. Yeah. Uh, is X going down? Is that a I thing? I don't know, yeah. I've never engaged with Twitter. I just don't <laughs> have the... It can be interesting sometimes, but, you know. Well, you can you can manage that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> again, we've got uh, throwback photos of the guests, cocktails, delicious cocktails by our one and only Danny Shapiro, and of course, reels produced by the one and only Joe Guzzo the uh, Third. This music, this music. I, yeah, sure, I'll go <laughs> yeah, music, the music first. On the episode, it's yeah. done by Captain Cuts, and uh, the pot is produced by Matt Haddock out in uh, sunny Benicia, California. <laughs> Thanks for listening this Docs. week. We'll see you next week.